Blog Talk Radio. This land is mine. God gave this land to me. This brave and ancient land to me. children can run free so take my hand and walk this land with me and walk Good evening and welcome to Yada Yada Radio. Before we return to the Mismore of Dode, and we'll be uh, on the um, second and then third Mismore uh, uh, as we begin our program uh, tonight, I want to talk about a couple of things in the uh, the news. Um, the first of those was that uh, there was an interview of uh, Vladimir Putin by uh, uh, by Tucker. Uh, over this last couple of days that I haven't really watched much of the interview. I've, I've read excerpts of what was said from probably 10 different sources. And I just found it uh, extraordinarily interesting that uh, Putin correctly stated uh, that the United States CIA and U.S. government um, deliberately led a coup in the Ukraine to topple the properly elected government so that they could set up the conditions for a proxy war in the Ukraine that the United States had been planning for 10 years prior to that date. This is not an opinion. This is not hidden. It's exceedingly obvious and well-known. In fact, irrefutable. Putin stated it, and the progressives and the media, who I swear can't think, condemned Tucker for not challenging him on telling the truth. And then he spoke about that you know, he had no reason to invade the, uh, the Ukraine and would not have done so had it not been for the belligerence of the United States regarding including Ukraine and NATO and then equipping Ukraine with, with weapons uh, poised against Russia. And uh, irrefutable, absolute fact, uh, and nonetheless, uh, Tucker was condemned by the progressive media for not challenging Vladimir Putin on telling the truth. Now, I have gone from having a fair amount of respect for, uh, for Putin for being one of the very few politicians in the world that will actually tell the truth, that, that can stand on his own two feet and, and can put together a historical narrative. 
uh, and to the point now where I despise the man, but I despise the man because I have an agenda. I have a bias. My bias is Yahweh and his people. And because the United States has sanctioned Russia uh, and put Russia in a position where it had no choice but to expand its allegiance with Iran, which did all manner of bad things, including uh, allowing Iran to finish its, its uh, nuclear weapons program. Uh, mm-hmm. Because of that, uh, now Russia is in a position where it has no choice but to offer rhetoric uh, that is opposed to Israel and, uh, and in favor of Muslims. Uh, and so by saying it, even though I understand the motivation for it and that I understand that the fault belongs to the United States, uh, nonetheless, you can't say that kind of stuff, the kind of things that are coming out of Russia vis-a-vis the, uh, uh, the issues of October 7th and Israel's subsequent war against uh, Islam uh, mm-hmm. without engendering Yahweh's and therefore my wrath. Uh, but nonetheless, I thought it was, that it was, an ex- it was extraordinary in the, uh, in the sense that the leftists in this country uh, know nothing but ad hominem attack, and they're all for aggressively trying to establish the narrative when the opposing party is not a progressive, and yet uh, they will let a progressive rattle on about a series of opinions without ever challenging them. The second is that it didn't appear anywhere in, in the mainstream media And yet uh, the president of the United States over this past two days demonstrated conclusively what we've known for the last three years, that he has dementia. Uh, He uh, got all excited about a a release uh, from an independent uh, investigator that was actually appointed by his appointed uh, attorney general, who um, uh, said that he was not going to pursue Biden on criminal charges of possessing uh, classified documents. It wasn't because he didn't break the law, because he did. It wasn't because he didn't have the documents, because he did. He said, the reason I don't want to prosecute him is he is an old man with a failing memory, and because he's an old man with a failing memory, if he is challenged in uh, an open court, particularly here in Washington, he's going to get a sympathetic jury. So it's it's not the kind of case that can be pursued. He went on to say, to demonstrate why I came to this conclusion, that he is a, uh, an elderly man with a failing memory, when I was given the opportunity to question him about these events, he couldn't remember any of the circumstances about them. He couldn't even remember circumstances pursuant to his son's death. Wow. And so... Uh, Biden decided he wanted to call a press conference with about 20 minutes lead time for the Washington press corps uh, about this release. And the press had read it. So they knew that it accused that that the reason that Biden wasn't going to be brought up on charges is because he was an elderly man with a failing memory. And so they were there and they were obviously going to ask him questions about it. And he got exceedingly defiant and made an utter fool of himself. And then at the end, when he was asked about uh, the uh, Gaza war, he had uh, called Sisi, the president of, uh, of Egypt, the president of Mexico, 
he couldn't remember the uh, uh, the name of Hamas, and just the preceding day he had said that he had uh, had meetings the last few days with the former, or actually two uh, uh, presidents of uh, of Germany, uh, and one of uh, of a nation that skips my mind at the the uh, the moment, both of whom are dead. Wow. And he claimed, I think Cole of Germany was one of the two, and he claimed that he had recently met with them. They're dead. Mm. The President of the United States has dementia. Now, this right. dementia isn't something that just came on suddenly. He had aneurysms that required surgery, which he was told he would likely not survive, and that if he did survive, the best outcome was that he was going to lose cognitive function. He did. And yes. it's obvious. And everyone knows. You called it years ago. Yes. We've been talking about this for at least six years. And I thought it was just cruel yeah. that progressives yeah. would prop this man up uh, as yeah. if he was qualified to be president of the United States. It's just reprehensible. And so those are the two things I wanted to uh, to share from a, a news point of view. Uh, I guess also in the news, uh, Hamas uh, has uh, uh, rejected uh, the uh, the ceasefire. Uh, what they want is so absurd; it is as uh, as if they're uh, they're living on a different planet. Uh, as a matter of fact, one of the problems is that uh, uh, Sinwar. They don't even know where he is, uh, and the rest of the Hamas uh, elite are not even talking to him anymore. Uh, no one really knows where uh, where he may be. And most recently, Israel has uh, unearthed lavish, wide, huge tunnels that had you know were all beautifully tiled inside and uh, had cages for the Israeli uh, hostages. So it's a mm. really special situation that's uh, going on there. Um, the yeah. only sane voice right now in Israel is the man that I've been so opposed to for his religious <laughs> government and bribing the Haredim. Netanyahu is the only person that's actually telling the United States, no, we're not going to do right. that. We're not going to authorize, uh, as a result of terrorism, a fake Estonian state. Not going to happen. You know, we're not going to capitulate. And no, we're not going to accept Hamas's term and surrender. Uh, so it's uh, it's quite a pickle. You've got a really egotistical and immoral man that's the head of your country, and he's the only sane voice you've got. Mm. And you know you can't trust him as far as you can throw him. And the two most popular people underneath him, I don't think, have a collective IQ of twenty. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Gallant and, and Gantz are are hopeless. Uh, I think that that Gantz actually has some character. I just think he's uh, ill-equipped to be in a high uh, a position to have any authority over a state where decisions are so critical as they are in Israel. Um, I had a, uh, a tremendous surprise that occurred to me uh, on my behalf yesterday. Um, I, I don't get many tremendous surprises these days because 
well, I'm enduring the, the most painful uh, thing I think a human being can do, which is uh, I'm translating the, uh, the Quran and I'm, uh, I'm dealing with the Hadith and I'm speaking of the most despicable being in the history of the universe and, uh, and Allah, he's Satan and Muhammad, who was the most pathetic human who ever lived. The Quran is the worst book ever written by any standard. And you spend 14 hours a day dealing with it. It's, uh, you know, there's not a lot of highlights. Uh, although no. I'm, I'm glad that I have this opportunity. I think the only person on the planet that's, that's capable of doing what I'm doing. Um, True. Goddamn Religion version one now has been completely rewritten the second time and is now 800 pages and available both at Amazon and on our website, uh, yadayah.com. Uh, it is now immensely more compelling and powerful than the, uh, the first uh, version of it. And uh, uh, GDR2 uh, is also uh, um, completed. It's also 800 pages, and it is uh, also available both at Amazon and paperback and uh, on our website, yadayah.com. I am now... 170 pages into uh, Goddamn Religion, Volume 3, which is called Terrorist. Um, it'll be a, uh, also about 750 pages or so by the time it is completed. So that's where we are on that project. One of the things that I learned, and this was my gift, is that 22 years ago, I wrote Prophet of Doom. I hadn't been back to it since uh, October 7th, 2023, when I realized this was the best hope for Israel, uh, an ultimate gift that I could provide is to go back and update it and rewrite it based upon what I know. And uh, when I wrote it in, uh, in a um, chapter called uh, The uh, Pedophile Pri uh, Pirate, it's about um, Muhammad's uh, uh, perverted sexuality uh, with children uh, when uh, he was in his uh, late 60s screwing around with uh, six-year-old girls. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's pretty pathetic. So you talk about you know being depressing. That's, that's a pretty depressing thing yeah. uh, to have to write about. Uh, but at the end of that uh, chapter mm -hmm. in the old book, I... Uh, I was dealing with Muhammad's response when he was uh, questioned because during the same time he was, uh, the, the Hadith explains that he was diddling a, uh, a six-year-old child. Uh, the, uh, Muhammad led or led or inspired 12 terrorist raids of his former family and neighbors, the Koresh, trying to seal the uh, money from a caravan because, well, no Muslim wanted to work, and this was the only economy they could muster was to be thieves. And, and he failed on his first 11, and he finally succeeded on the 12th, killing some Koresh uh, and robbing the caravan and taking captives. First blood was uh, Islam. And so I was talking about how Allah went out and approved what Muhammad had done. Allah is a big fan of, of murder and of kidnap and of looting others. So uh, in writing that, I, you know, I was accustomed back in the day of having 
to debate Muslims, and since they couldn't defend Islam, uh, they used uh, argumentum distraction, which is to um, change the subject. So if mm-hmm. I were talking about how the Quran is, is a declaration of war on all humankind, which it is, they would say, you know, well, there's uh, violent verses on the Bible. Well, of course, there's no term that has anything to do with God that uh, you could render Bible. Bible is based upon Bel, which means with the Lord, and the Lord is Satan. It is associated with Babel, which is the ultimate beast, the mother of harlots, Babylon. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, uh, as I went through it, I was going through, this is the only instructions that Yahweh had to say to wipe people out, and, the, and that was in his, um, in his home. Uh, and they were the Canaanites, and he explained the reason for it. And it wasn't open-ended. And, but I said, no, there is one passage that is cited by uh, those who want to claim that the Bible is a violent book, and it's a statement in Psalm 149. And so back 22 years ago, I had never even contemplated translating a passage out of Hebrew, much less looking at the Dead Sea Scrolls. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so all I did is just, I, I, transla- I didn't translate it, I just presented it from a standard English translation, and because I was a nincompoop, I drew all erroneous conclusions <laughs> from it. And I, uh, I, you know, I'm humbled that I made such a terrible mistake, uh, and that uh, also I, I, I'm uh, humbled that God put up with me all of these years knowing that I had that blundered so badly with the 149th Mismore Psalm. Well, I'm in a different position now. So I'm looking at this, and I'm telling you it was a gift, and, and even though I'm you know, horribly embarrassed by how poorly I handled it 22 years ago, I'm not the same guy, not even remotely, <laughs> that wrote this 22 years ago. I mean, the difference in what I know and can do relative to Yahweh, the Torah, uh, Nabi Wa Mizbor, is infinite compared to what it right. was then. So I had a choice. I could either just scratch the whole thing out, or I could say, eh, let's tackle it. Let's see what it really does say. Decided to translate it. Turns out the entire psalm speaks to what we're doing today and not just what we're doing in the sense of calling Yehudim home, not just in the sense of being Dode's herald, not just in the sense of being Yahweh's witness, not just in the sense of how Yom Kippurim is going to play out because of what we're doing together. But almost the entire psalm is Dode mocking Islam. From the first word to the last word, it is Dode showing that he, in fact, was the most brilliant man who ever lived. His sarcasm towards Islam is better than Elia's sarcasm towards the prophets of Baal and Asherah. (laughs) But unless you knew the Quran intimately, unless you knew Allah intimately and understood Dode, You'd never pick up on any of it. I don't think, in fact, I know for certain, no one has noticed any of these things over the past 3,000 years. 
and because I'm the only person that was in a position to notice them because I've now translated most of the Quran, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm an expert on who Allah really is as Satan, and I love Dode serving as his herald, I'm uniquely qualified to pick up on all of those clues and say, this is what Dode is mocking. Right. Which means it had to have been written 3,000 years ago knowing that this fellow, God's going to inspire somebody that's, that's going to do the work necessary to figure it out at the right time, doing the right thing for the right reason for God's people, exposing and condemning Islam on behalf of God's people so that the gathering for Yom Kippurim in your 6,000 year October 2nd at sundown 2033 is a grand and rousing success. And that's what the psalm says. It will be. We will prevail. But not only does it say that, at the end of it, after excoriating Islam in every which way that you could do with a sense of, of sarcasm and humor and brilliance, it ends by saying two things. One is that because of what we have done, it is God's decision that we be granted the opportunity and the responsibility to judge and condemn those who have abused Israel. To be Satan's judge, to be Muhammad's judge, to be Paul's judge, and to inflict the appropriate penalty. Not only sending but inflicting the penalty that is appropriate before they go. Wow. What what a God to say, you know, honestly, I want you to do something no one has ever survived before, and I'm going to have your back. I'll protect you, but I want you to excoriate Islam. I want you to free my people from this scourge by exposing the truth about Islam so they know they're not fighting Hamas, they're not fighting Hezbollah, they're not fighting Iran, they're not fighting the Palestinian Authority, they're not fighting Pakistanians. They're at war with Islam. And I want you to explain how horrible Islam is and how Satan is the god of Islam. And then to say, because of the diligence that you've applied to this, I'm going to give you the opportunity. Now you're the the Moshe of Islam, if you will. You know, Moshe (laughs) was brought back into uh, Mitzrayim because he's the one person who understood the government and the religion and the economic caste system of Egypt. So God knew he hated it and walked away from it. And so he was the perfect person to go in to Mitzrayim with Yahweh to free his people from that which he had left and hated. I hate Islam, Muhammad, and Allah more than any other person on the planet because I know them better than any other person on the planet. And therefore... I'm now the perfect person to expose and condemn them. That being the case, I'm the perfect person to judge them. Mm -hmm. And God has said, 
That is now your responsibility. You wanted it. You got it. You earned it. Now, that's a really, really bad thing for Muhammad and his henchmen and every jihadist who's ever yelled Allahu Akbar or sought to harm a Jew. Yes. Because I am not going to be the least bit sympathetic. And I'm going to begin by tormenting and punishing Allah. And then by tormenting and punishing Muhammad. Wow. And making them watch. Okay. Now, the next thing that is, uh, is so interesting about this is that after all of that, God ends the Mismore. Dode ends the Mismore. Mm-hmm. By saying, this particular individual who is with me now on the excoriating of Islam and who is partly responsible for this gathering on Yom Kippurim that that is so successful, so much appreciated by all of the participants, that he's respected for having devoted himself, being enormously steadfast and zealous on behalf of the children of Yisrael, noting that the children of Yisrael are Yahweh's special, set-apart, and unique people, his family. And may we all radiate Yahweh's light. What a a treasure. I, I just, walking around today after having written it and translated it, and then today as I uh, searched the Dead Sea Scrolls to make certain I had it all correct, added the, uh, what the Masoretic text had omitted, which was the end of the psalm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm just saying, you know, yeah, there, there are days where you provide marvelous gifts, treasures. It's a treasure yeah. for us. Now, Dee, we began this uh, program, uh, before the program began, with uh, you saying that uh, as you uh, handle social media and you talk to the covenant families, a lot of people say, you know, uh, goddamn religion is not for us. We, we want to really read the other books. We're, we're not interested as much as in goddamn religion. Uh, and I said, that's, that's yeah. wrong. That's wrong. Sorry, it's just wrong. Our interest is Israel. Israel's greatest foe over the next 10 years is Islam. It is our responsibility as family members, to protect our family. And the only way to protect Israel is to expose and condemn Islam so that Jews understand the threat of Islam while at the same time explaining what Yahweh is offering in place of it. His covenant, his Moed Mikre. That is our job. That is our family. You can't turn away from that. It's and also like what you were saying with Mismore um, that, that you just translated in GDR3 is that Dode talks about this. He knows the, the religion. Correct. And Correct. we should be able to communicate with him about these interests that he has. Of, yeah. you know, it's important. Understand that we are only 10 years away from eternity with Yahweh. You can go in, into eternity with Yahweh saying... Uh, well, you know, I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm delighted I'm here. Always wondering how much 
better eternity could have been if you had done more before you were here. Mm-hmm. So you're here. It's a wonderful existence. But how many more Yehudim could have been here? How much more joyous could the experience be if you invested a little more during this, this 10 years? And that's what Dode is recognizing, mm-hmm. is that we're doing that. Now, if Dode cared enough to expose and condemn Islam, while well, speaking of the joyous return on Yom Kippurim, or should we? shouldn't we? Absolutely. You know, he's our king. He's our shepherd. It's a really good idea to be interested in what he's interested in. He has mm-hmm. the right, Arab Yah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing I want to talk about is that the end of the 149th Mismore is found in uh, 11 uh, QPS. It's the great psalm scroll. This sucker is 14 feet long. This is a big scroll. Uh, the only scroll that's larger is the great Isaiah scroll. And But even with the great Isaiah scroll being longer, still imagine the great psalm scroll is 14 feet long. Okay. And, long. and it is one of 37 scrolls devoted to Dodes Mismore found in the caves above Qumran. There are more psalm scrolls than there are Torah scrolls. It was the most revered collection far and away. But what happened in the transition from the end of the uh, Essenes who who scribed these, uh, copied them, what happened between the first and the second century so that the great psalm scroll, for example, 20% of its context didn't even make the Masoretic text. It was deliberately omitted from the Masoretic text. There is nothing that even resembles the variation between the Masoretic and, uh, and any other text by comparison to the great psalm scroll. They aren't even close. So what happened? Rabbis are what happened. There were no yeah. rabbis at the time. The rabbis came to, uh, to fruition in the late 1st, early 2nd century, and they took over Judaism. And guess what? The rabbis don't like Dode at all. And if you say, well, but they, their symbol is the Star of David, bull, the Star of Bar Kokhba, their false messiah. They just ascribe it to Dode to, for their legitimacy, but the star belongs to their false messiah, Bar Kokhba. Dode didn't have a star. Bar Kokhba means son of a star. <clears throat> they hate him. They've always hated him. They have done everything they can to write him out of the text. They've done more harm to Dode than the Christians have by robbing all of Dode's attributes and accolades and giving them to their false god, baby god, dead god on a stick, Jesus. It's worse in Judaism. They 
defy the idea that God has a son. And what does God say? He's my son. I am his father. He is my firstborn. They are looking for a Messiah that they have no idea what his name is when we're told explicitly that the Messiah, Dode, is returning. They never refer to Dode as a prophet. They never consider even for a second that he fulfilled Pesach, Matzah, and Bakurim, which was the three most important days in human history. Nothing any human being has ever done is as important to us as God's Ooh. beloved Son and our Messiah, our Savior, fulfilling Pesach, Matzah, and Bakurim. And they don't even have a clue what he did. Why he did it. How he did it. And yet, they read Hebrew. I am a Gentile. Obviously a dithering idiot 22 years ago because I didn't have a clue what the 149th Psalm said. And I figured it out. How come they can't? That's a good question. Because they don't want to. Absolutely. They hate the only individual the rabbis hate more than Dode is Yahweh. He wrote his name out. So, as we uh-huh. proceed in coming home, if you are Yahud, beloved of Yah, Jew, if you are Yisrael, an individual who wants to engage and endure with God, that's what those two names mean, You need to disavow all association with the lying, conniving, deceitful rabbis. Mm -hmm. As well as from your own politics, the government of Israel. And listen to Yahweh. Embrace your Savior. Your Messiah. The very Son of God. Your Shepherd the most important man who ever lived. Dode. He's the only person of which it can be said he's more important to our understanding of God and our relationship to God than even Moshe. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, Moshe is extraordinary. There's no man that I have ever respected as much as mm-hmm. I do Moshe. And my three great loves in terms of God's people, are Moshe, Dode, and Yashaya. Mm-hmm. And everything about Moshe uh, is endearing. man of great fortitude and character, brilliant orator, uh, wonderful writer, great leader, steadfast, devoted. And yet, as important as Moshe is, and articulating the Torah to us in Dabadim and writing Yahweh's presentation of the of this Torah teaching in the first four books of of his guidance and of leading the children of Israel away from religion and politics and Mitzrayim to the promised land. Dode is more important still because Dode fulfilled and enabled the promise 
that Moshe spoke of. So as we progress, I, I just want everyone who wants to know Yahweh, everyone who would like to be part of the covenant family, everyone who is interested in observing the Moed Mikre as they were intended, Pesach, Matzah, Bakodim, Shabuah, Teruah, Kapuram, and Sukkah, to know just how important Dode is to our lives and to our relationship with Yisrael and to Yisrael, both the people, the family, and the nation. He is the returning king. So we're going to begin our review of uh, the second chapter of Coming Home, the first volume. It's uh, appropriately entitled, Son of God. Now the rabbis would say that God can't have a son because that would be interspecies. So... <laughs> Uh, so obviously they're not really attuned to why does God call Israel the children of Israel? Whose children are they if they're not his? Yeah, he's obviously not, they're not up to speed on what is the name of the third Mikre. Well, because they only know uh, one of the first three because they absolutely... Uh, yeah, have eliminated matzah. It's a missing ingredient now as part of Pesach, and Pesach is now a seven-day celebration, as opposed to matzah is the seven-day celebration that begins with Pesach and ends with Bukhurim. And what does Bukhurim mean? Firstborn children. Firstborn children. Mm-hmm. So God's in a different position. God says that I created you and I conceived the covenant and I'm making the mikre available to you because I want to raise a family. And the entire inheritance is because we become children of the Almighty and inherit what he has to offer. Yahweh refers to himself as a father because he's head of the family, which makes us his children. His children. And the firstborn of Yahweh's children wasn't Adam. No. Wasn't Abraham. It was Dode. Mm-hmm. God said so, and I think we can trust him on this. Mm-hmm. Yes. The byline for this chapter is, This day I bring you forth as your father. Very we nice. could, and almost did, make an entire meal out of what Yao inspired his son to write in the opening refrain of the second song, although I think we made even a bigger deal out of every word that was in the first psalm, including the first word of the first psalm. It's become obvious that God isn't a proponent of man's propositions, particularly religion and government. With the exception of Dode and his Dode son, Solomon, and only in Israel, no government has been authorized or established by God, despite what kings and presidents may say. And even then, Yahweh only acted after the Israelites rejected his Shaphat judges, with Shamuel being the last of them. Having made the decision 
to follow in the ways of the Gentiles rather than being Torah observant, God figured that since they were insistent on a king, his preference for a shepherd might at least set a good example. This, of course, means that Paul, the founder of Christianity, the author of 14 letters, the man that inspired the Gospels in the book of Acts, lied in his repulsive letter to the Romans, and again in Hebrews, as did the Roman Catholic Church, which grew out of his perverse doctrine. God is opposed to human governments. And he is every bit as adverse to them as he is to religions. He disdains these human contrivances because they are counterproductive and self-serving. Having been created and perpetrated by the worst among us, it means that the rabbis were wrong when they became political and accepted bribes from the government to be part of a coalition, particularly in the case with the parasitic Herodim. Reprising Mismore 2.1, before we move on to the second refrain, Dode wrote, And for what reason do noisy and confused throngs of scheming and rebellious Gentiles gather together to conspire in open defiance, Ragash, do vociferous and disorderly crowds of restless religious, political, and militant ethnicities estranged from Israel rise up vehemently to hastily agitate in fellowship with one another, with races attempting to be noticed and gain attention through their perceived and contrived plots, creating a disturbing commotion as part of an unrestrained cult of worshipers by hurriedly convincing and promoting clandestine conspiracies. It's quite an opening statement, isn't it? And of course, there was nothing that that fit that definition in Dode's day. He's writing as a prophet. And while there have been many who have fulfilled that, uh, the Assyrians did, the Babylonians did, the Greeks did, uh, the Romans did, the Romans Catholics did, most of Europe did, um, led by the Nazis and fascists, and the communists certainly did, and now Muslims have, and Progressives are uh, are next in line, but a lot of people who have fulfilled that prophecy. The people of these nations who are transformed while massing under an antiquated and unifying religious, political, and or conspiratorial leader, Wa Leom, these groups who associate and gather together under an individual who changes them in some way as a result of the primitive and arcane concepts, choose to plot and to speak, haga, are driven away by their choices and utterances, having wrongly decided and selectively searching, muttering their musings aloud, so with their imagined grievances and personal beliefs, all formed after considerable attention to isolated information. Boy, that's the nature of conspiracy, is it? 
as well mm-hmm. as religion. Mm-hmm. The scheme to remove the people who are the focus of their complaint. Boy, now that is the living embodiment of conspiracy. And vain delusions deluded in their fantasies. Ms. Moore 2-1. <clears throat> uh, my wife showed me something that uh, DU probably uh, sent that uh, showed the uh, the big idiot that uh, uh, that we used to know that uh, uh, oh, is the yes. ultimate uh, conspiratorialist that does the one thing that, uh, that upsets Yahweh more than anything else. He combines... Uh, uh, yeah, it was a testimony, uh, my translations of it with uh, his conspiracies. But the top of his page was that uh, the Maui uh, uh, fires and, uh, uh, were the uh, result of the U.S. Uh, unleashing a, uh, a new modern energy weapon. Lasers. Yeah. And you just say, what is it that causes people to be this deluded in their fantasies? Uh, yeah, yeah. That fire had an immediate and provable cause. Mm-hmm. The utility in Maui and Lahaina area knew that their, uh, their telephone poles had rotted out and could not stand high winds, and that they knew that the lines themselves were not insulated, and if the poles fell, the uninsulated lines, if the power was not turned out, would spark fires and that it had been dry, and that the likelihood of fires was exceedingly high, particularly with those high gusts, right. with the passing hurricane. The passing hurricane caused the poles to fall down, the lines remained uh, uninsulated, and the power company wasn't bright enough to turn off the power, and there were brush fires started everywhere, and with the high winds, the community was overwhelmed. And because we don't have people smart enough to make good decisions, Almost all of the first responders responded inappropriately and made the situation worse. Mm. That's what happened. Terrible almost all things that are bad have, yeah, have very easy explanations, and the evidence is usually ubiquitous, which it is here. But that's the nature of conspiratorialists. They're, they're just utterly stupid. That's why God wants no association <laughs> with them. Uh. Anyway, with I appreciate every time you discuss this. I do. Yeah, and people part, need to hear it. I, I just yeah. appreciate every time you discuss this because I always see people get up in arms and leave the covenant. It's like, then go. Because if you can't be reasonable, you can't go approach go. Torah and be reasonable. Go. Yeah. You can't if you think, think that, that chemtrails are a secret plot, that 9-11 was a secret plot, that uh, the nightclub massacre and uh, and the and shady hook was a secret plot by your government uh, then, then go away just yeah, go away it's, it's fine yeah, yeah it's it's, okay. we're fine we're fine without you and we're worse with you so please just go away <laughs> don't parrot things with the covenant if you believe that stuff you're not smart enough to be part of the covenant just go away yep. There's a reason it's dividing. You can have your reptilian overlords. You can have your protocols of the the, uh, elders of Zion. Be whatever you want to be. You know, if you keep it to yourself, God won't hate you. If you spread it, well, then there's a consequence and a penalty. Make your choice in that regard. But get away from us. 
I'm not going to try to convince yeah. you that you should change. No, I just want you to leave. Go away. You're not welcome here. We'll be focusing on the Torah. They can fiddle and with we that. Want, and, like. and we don't want to try to reform you. That's not our goal. If you're exposed to the truth and you can still cling to lies like that, you don't belong. You're counterproductive. Go away. And I'm not speaking for myself. This is God's position. Though it goes on to say this, the rulers of the earth, solely on their own initiative, continually set themselves up. Oh, isn't that the truth? Those who, govern, those who govern lay a foundation to conspire and rebel. Look at what's happening in Israel and the United States, positioning Israel. Israel, for the United States right now, is a sacrificial lamb. Yeah. Now, there's already been a sacrificial lamb. It's a really good thing. Dode was the sacrificial lamb. Happy mm-hmm. he did it. We're not going to make Israel the sacrificial lamb. And that's exactly what the Biden administration is doing. And this is the reality of the situation. Saudi Arabia has actually reneged on their acceptance of BRIC uh, to play the United States for one last hurrah. And what, the, what Saudi Arabia has positioned the United States is that you guarantee that you will sacrifice American lives and weapons to defend Saudi Arabia at all costs under any circumstances – and you sacrifice Israel, imposing a Palestinian state based upon 1967 borders. Are we, we'll join BRIC, and we will start accepting other currencies other than the dollar, and the American economy is toast. And so rather than just admit the United States is over a barrel. It's been played for a fool. It's put, himself, it's put itself in a horrible position. It would rather do business with the devil and sacrifice God's people. Knowing full well that every attempt to reward the fake Estenians with legitimacy has turned into terror, death. There is a 0% chance that anything will be different and that this move is far more ignorant and immoral than was giving the high ground of Czechoslovakia to Adolf Hitler by Neville Chamberlain in peace in our time. And yet, this is what nations do. This is why Yahweh devoted um, almost a full chapter of Yashaya, the great prophet, to denouncing what the United States is Mm -hmm. doing but this is the way that countries act this is the way that people govern those who government govern lay a foundation to conspire and rebel all together against Yahweh and against his Masiach but look at that every nation that we call a Christian nation has conspired against Yahweh's Masiach because they'll claim that the mythical misnomer, Jesus, is their mm-hmm. Christ. Mm-hmm. That is conspiring against Yahweh's Masiach, because Yahweh's Masiach is the author of this psalm. He's dope. Jews, same thing. Rabbinic Judaism came into being with Akiba, 
foisting a false messiah, Bar Kokhba, on the people. And they still pine for a false messiah. So the government and the nation of Israel is caught up opposing Yahweh, whose name they will not even mention. And they're against his Messiah as well. Mm-hmm. And then look at the two billion Muslims yep. and their utter hatred of God's people and his Messiah and of their replacement, the most despicable human being who ever lived, Muhammad. Uh-huh. And of course, the Messiah of the progressives and of of liberals are people like Huxley and Lenin and Marx and philosophers and uh, other progressives. They all have their false messiahs. They all wholly and completely disavow Yahweh and his Messiah. It would be, of the 8 billion people on the world today, there aren't even 8,000. Not even one in a million who side with Yahweh and his Messiah over governments and religions. Not even one in a million. Now that's going to change. But that's what it is right now. Those who claim that God has chosen the leaders of nations and that he is guiding them would be wrong. Uh, they have always been wrong. And in this case, the Hitpayel mood serves as proof revealing that they have acted on their own initiative. Well, there is considerable justification to seeing conspirators and every religious and political scheme and of men manipulating the system for their own personal advantage, mm-hmm. they have been so open about it and insistent upon it that the amalgamation of religion and politics is hardly a conspiracy anymore. Right. Throughout the long march of civilization, there has been a solitary unifying theme. Clerics and kings have supported each other by claiming a divine sanction. They have typically been inseparable, with the emperor serving as head of the government and with the clerics crowning the king yes. and speaking for him, authorizing him in Imperial Rome, the Caesars were worshipped as gods, as was the case in Egypt with their pharaohs and Babylon with their kings, beginning with the emperor Theodosius in 400 CE at the point that Imperial Rome became indistinguishable from the Roman Catholic Church. Each successive despot throughout Europe would claim that they had God's authorization to rule. God was always opposed to them. That's not surprising. And what's even less surprising about all of this is that religious and political schemes have always been two sides of the same coin. They are human contrivances designed Mm -hmm. to achieve the same results. 
to concentrate authority, power, control, property, and wealth among the few. And they were all conceived to be compatible, to work in harmony with one another, to create a system that would be difficult, if not impossible, for anyone to break free. Trapped within it, the masses are like cartoon characters in flat land, capable of even envisioning what lies beyond their imposed reality. Good analogy. Yeah, beautifully said. It is why Yahweh did not find a single individual through whom to convey his message for thousands of years. There was no one sufficiently capable and courageous, rational and literate, willing to break free of these integrated control mechanisms and risk everything to expose and condemn those who not only claim to have had God's authorization to govern every respect, every aspect of their lives, but also who held all of the weapons and the armies to wield them and controlled the police, the judges, and the prisons. In such a world, there have been no Noachs, no Abrahams, no Jacobs, no Moshes, no Yoshas, no Shamuels, no Dots, no Hoshas, no Yashayas, no Yarmayas. There has been no one, not a single individual receptive to listening to Yahweh and going where his words lead for 2,500 years. Mm -hmm. Out of the trench now. We're here. (laughs) That is why we're here. Yeah. It uh, it wasn't that that we uh, competed against uh, a world of uh, candidates and because (laughs) of uh, our superior intellect and and being <laughs> remarkably articulate and and studious that we were afforded this job after competing with billions. No, there was no competition. There was no one else in line. There's no one else who even wanted the job. In fact, there was no one else that even knew the job was available. I'm not sure there was anyone that even knew who God actually is. Yeah, what he said, what he's asking in return. Sad but true. Yeah, I, I know. I know. So per- perhaps yeah. now, from this perspective, we can better appreciate why Yahweh pleaded with his people not to follow the ways of the Gentiles and their nations, to refrain from being political and religious. But it would not be easy. The web of lies is so intertwined and we have all been influenced and indoctrinated, even manipulated, like Lot, Lot. So ensnarled by these deceptive and deadly human contrivances, that even when one among us would find reason to cut the spinneret, there would be hundreds more, all sticky and interwoven, all designed to immobilize prey might otherwise walk away. 
Now keep in mind, these webs were spun to be unseen. It's a web of silky smooth bonds ensnaring and entangling the unobservant victim. And yet the tensile strength of these spider webs, like those found in nature serving as a metaphor, would be greater than the same weight of steel. And they're even more elastic. Those who would struggle against them would wear themselves out and they would become ever more ensnarled in these convoluted traps. Those who witnessed others rebellious and their fight for freedom, pursuing a way out only to die a public and excruciating death, would be dissuaded from doing likewise, deterred from rebelling and seeking to flee this control apparatus you know, throughout history. Mm-hmm. The They've been true. murdered and tortured. You know, they, the Muslims tortured those who opposed Allah. They not only tortured them, then they did victim shaming. And then they claimed that those that they had robbed and abused and raped and mutilated, that Allah was going to burn them again forevermore in hell. Not really much different than the Roman Catholic Church with all of its torture apparatus. They were just more, a little more sophisticated at uh, pain. And, of course, how do you beat the Romans with crucifixion? crucifixion specifically yeah. designed yeah. to inflict the most pain possible. And no nation probably was ever more humiliating than the Assyrians. Mm. Egotistical than the Babylonians. Diabolical than the Europeans, particularly under the Nazis. Mm-hmm. What's surprising here is that the religions which claim the Psalms are inspired by their God played such a damning role in all of this. All everyone or anyone actually had to do to expo- expose their malfeasance would be to point out that Dode wrote the second Mismore. But it would never be that simple. Those who wrongly claim God's authority are never persuaded otherwise, even by God's own words. And the masses, confined and twisted up in their binding web of lies, are seldom, if ever, receptive to a reality other than the one they have been conditioned to believe. The webs of politics and religion, like those of social customs and conspiracies, are filled with holes, each Spindly thread is easily broken, but there are so many of them within these interwoven control contrivances because they have been designed to integrate almost every aspect of the human experience. And without an unbridled passion to be free, a fully functioning nisoma, conscience, and divine direction, most people not only remain trapped, they don't even know that they're being constrained. Mm-hmm. That was the end of the 149th Mismor when you know, Yahweh is saying that there's something unique about an individual disdevoted and steadfast. And it's true. It's been 22 years of six and seven days a week, 10 to 14 hours a day. That's 
that's a lot of dedication. Consistently willing to go where the words lead. Truly, yeah. No matter the risk. Now, it's not a sacrifice. The rewards are tremendous. And the rewards are eternal. And the company is sublime. <laughs> but nonetheless, there are, there are few takers. Those who break the bonds of religion are typically ensnared by a political scheme that is no better, thinking that they're going from faith to reason, they simply find themselves trapped in a different web of lies. It is the story of Abraham seeking Yahweh's help with his nephew Lot, of what the entangled and ensnared got, that's what Lot means, Mm -hmm. both right and wrong. It's about four individuals who, with the guidance of Yahweh's messengers, finally broke free of Sodom, representing modern Moab before it was destroyed, who would later reject the guidance offered to them by the messengers, which would have taken them home. Moab is all around us. We become like Sodom. Even on a planet with Eight billion souls, fewer than 8,000, will break free of this web prior to the fulfillment of Teruah. Hopefully ten times that more will participate in Yom Kippurim. It took the perfect storm, really, for me to break out of the interwoven web of politics, religion, economics, societal customs, patriotism, conspiracy, and militarism. So uh, I'm, I'm not immune to how difficult it is. You know, I not only lost my last business, a public company, due to the deceitful machinations of the most religious employees, who was publicly crucified in the media. Yeah for crimes that I didn't commit, that I wasn't even there to have any influence over. But it didn't matter. Perceptions were all that counted at that point. I had my faith shattered. Good thing. But it wasn't just my faith in religion and capitalistic economics and journalistic institutions and patriotism and Politics that were sh- everything was shattered. Everything that I had held to be important was shown to be worthless. So I became disenfranchised from politics, from patriotism, the military, and especially after getting to know George W. Bush personally and witnessing the revolting carnage of 9-11. What I saw was a president act as he told me he would, counterproductively, invading two uninvolved nations, fundamentally changing the world for the worse and bankrupting the country, all on a web of lies. Then adding to the perfect storm, I had to walk away from a psychotic father and from an abusive wife 
eroding the myths of family values, free of every sticky and silky spinneret. I was finally like Abram after he walked away from Babylon. Unlike Abram, however, there was a Torah to read. It was so poorly translated, however, that it wasn't nearly enough to embrace the truth. Worse, it was hidden beneath a mountain of New Testament and Talmud deceptions. I was still living in the world Paul and Akiba had woven, the one in which Dode had so brilliantly expounded against. But as I pursued the connections between 9-11 and Islam at Yahweh's directions, I discovered an insight that profoundly changed my life, pondering why Allah, who is Satan, would denounce Satan in his Quran, I came to understand that Yahweh had what he had revealed about the adversary and his connections with Babylon, with religion and politics and deceit and conspiracy. In Yahshua 14, Satan despises his depiction of the adversary because it precludes him from his prime objective, which is to be worshipped as the god of religion. The final bond that needed to break was Shaul, another man who admitted to being demon-possessed. Having witnessed the binding and ensnarling strands of religion and politics, of economics and militarism, all dissolve. Having come to understand the source and the purpose of this matrix, I was free to do as Noah, Abraham, Moshe, and Dod had done, which was to actually listen to what Yahweh had to say and act upon his guidance. There was nothing standing in the way anymore. Over the ensuing 22 years, I've come a long way by never venturing off course and always trusting Yahweh's testimony. As a result, the path out of Moab, out of Edom, and away from Ammon, this exodus from Mitzrayim and Babel to the Promised Land has been more clearly marked and illuminated. The Nesh, this sign and banner that we are responsible for writing, that God himself is lifting up, is being comprised and Yahweh is going to raise it to call his people out of the three Babylons. Geographic Babylon, religious Babylon, and political Babylon. From the outset of coming home, I have presented the interactions between Yahweh and Dode as father and son. This approach is particularly relevant now because in addressing the response of political and religious leaders towards their relationship, Dode spoke of it as being over Yahweh and against 
his Masiach. This means from their perspective, to rise up against one was an attack on the other. To claim supremacy over Yahweh, as the religious have done with Hashem, with Jesus and with Allah, has engendered a hostile response from his Messiah. To designate the son or denigrate the son is to disparage his father. Can't denigrate Dode as the son of God and the Messiah, our Savior, without antagonizing his father, who just so happens to be God. And yet it is by robbing Dode of everything Masiach Hugh, his Messiah portends, both Judaism and Christianity, even Islam, have schemed together through their scriptures to lay the foundation they would use to defraud believers. In Judaism, Hamasiach is an unknown individual for whom they wait, not Dode. By denying the fulfillments of Pesach, Matzah, Bakodim, and Shabuah in year 4000 Yah by Dode and then replacing Teruah and inverting the purpose of Kippurim, rabbis have plundered Yahweh's Masiach of the very respect he has earned. And by doing that, they have deprived the people of the benefits that he has provided. Equally egregious. Rather than admit that the founder of their religion was wrong, rabbis doubled down on Akiba's dim-witted scheme of venerating the false messiah Bar Kokhba, son of a star, by ascribing that same star to David. In so doing, there are two prominent flags in Israel, one emblazoned with the star of David and other with the Chabad Mosiach featuring a yellow field, red writing, and a blue crown. Both are wrong. I love Yisrael, and it pains me every time I see an advocate for Yisrael wearing a six-pointed star. As a result of Paul's machinations, Dode was robbed of his Hamasiach and Ben Elohim titles to create an object of worship in the man-god Jesus Christ. His name and that of their religion is an attack upon Yahweh's Masiach and Ben. Therefore, Christianity, like Judaism, is an assault against God himself. As Dode inspired testimony has and will continue to demonstrate, father and son, Yahweh Wa Masiaku, they work hand in hand, side by side, to achieve salvation and reconciliation through the Mikre and on behalf of the Bereth for Israel. The simple truth is the Bereth is God's family, and Dode is his firstborn. And for the rest of us, the singular means to approach, approach our brother and father is through the invitations to call out and meet 
the Mekre, which father and son fulfilled together. It isn't until we come to appreciate this relationship, why, when, and how, it has led to the most favorable resolution of our guilt that we truly know Yahweh and Dote. And in this light, a nameless Masiach, the perception of unfulfilled Moedim, restoring witnesses, the advocacy of a Jesus Christ, a New Testament, or a Talmud, or a false Masiach and his star, is an attack on the Son and an attack on the Father, and thus debilitating. One of the most interesting things about being Masayak anointed is the recipient is separated and set apart from all others and thus cannot be seen as integrated into a popular religion or body politic. At the same time this was written, there was only one man who had been Masayak anointed by Yahweh. True. The psalm speaks of Yahweh's Masiach. At this time, how many were there? It's only Dode. So if Dode is speaking of Yahweh's Masiach, who is he speaking about? Himself. <laughs> you got that correct. To be Masiach in the most positive and, orth- and authorized sense Yahweh defined the concept, one has to be anointed in olive oil at Yahweh's direction. Though it was three times. He lived three lives. Two have already transpired. The third is less than a decade away. Well, Dode represents the truest sense of the word, as is the case with most Hebrew terms. Masiach isn't necessarily an endorsement. Yahweh used it in conjunction with Cyrus, the Babylonian king, who lived and died as a pagan estranged from God. Although, to be fair, Cyrus was very, very unique among civilized rulers. There may not have been anyone more fair, less vengeful than Cyrus. And so he was a very effective tool for Yahweh to use on behalf of his people. But he was definitely not anointed. And he was not Yahweh's Masayach. He was simply an implement to be wielded to gain the attention of a wayward nation. The good news here for Yisrael is that God's people are being led to see this as it once was and remains. As a choice between Yahweh and Dod on the one side and uh, the adversary and religion on the other. The Masiach anointed, they are being asked to accept is the shepherd and the lamb as well as the king of the millennial kingdom. The beloved son of Yah's Dod. He is not unknown nor is he the Christian Christ crafted in the image of Dionysus. 
There is another problem, also of a religious nature, causing Yisrael to reject Dod. According to the acclaimed prophecy in the ninth chapter of Yashaya, the Son of God, his Masayak, is a Gabor, a mighty leader and gallant warrior who has and who will once again conquer Israel's Goyim enemies, unify the kingdom to bring peace to the land. It was in the Yobel year of 133 CE that Akiba transferred these attributes to his warlords, Shimon Markakba, fooling many in Israel to follow him to their doom at the hands of Rome. But what they have all missed is that Dode was and will be that Masayak, anointed Messiah. Far more egregious than this is the realization that the reason Akiba foisted this false Messiah on Jews was that he was seeking to justify Judaism's failure to recognize that Dode had come to fulfill Pesach, Matzen, Bakurim, and Shabuah in the Yobel year of 4,000 Yah, as he himself had predicted. Right. It's obvious that Dode was going to do this. The only reason that it took us so long to figure it out is because the entire world has been led in the opposite direction. There are so many strands of web between us and the truth that have been woven over these past 3,000 years, you have to cut through them and torch them to find the truth. You have to actually be in the position I found myself with all of it trashed, to be open to the truth. And even then, even though it's undeniable, even though it's overt, we've been so conditioned to not seeing it, that we're blind to it. But folks, there's a reason that the 22nd Mismor is the most graphic, the most visual in all of the Torah, Prophets, and Psalms. There's the reason that it discusses a sacrifice through Roman crucifixion a thousand years in advance of it occurring. And how this would be the fulfillment of Pesach. And how his soul would then be laden with our guilt and carried into shield and deposited there. So that he would see the light again. As he's reunited with the spirit and taken home by Yahweh and Bakotam. And just in case you didn't understand that from the first-person account that Dode wrote in his own hand in the 22nd Mismore. It's expounded upon in the 88th. And just in case you missed that, then the most glorious lyrics ever written, Dode's song, the most profound piece of literature in the history of the world, is the 89th Mismore. Mm-hmm. It lays it all out. That Dode is the Son of God. That Dode is the Messiah. 
The doat is the Zoroah, the sacrificial lamb. The doat is our savior. The doat is returning as the king of kings. The doat, when he comes back, will be as God, as brilliant as the sun. It's all there. And in case you miss that, the prophet's prophet, Yashaya, specifically spoke not only about how important Dode was to everything that matters with God's people in the soaring oratory of the ninth chapter. This son that is given to us, this child who is born, that will be the Gabor. Dode. It's only Dode. And guess, there's only one name that's mentioned in all of that prophecy. Dodes. And if you didn't get it then, then one of the most majestic prophecies ever scribed is in Yahshua 53, which begins by saying, do you, do you recognize that somebody has finally figured out who the, the Zoroah are and how the Zoroah apply to what I'm just about to tell you about how this sacrificial lamb accepted the burdens of his people and therefore fulfilled Pesach? You understand that when Yahweh was having this discussion with Abraham and with Yishak on Mount Moriah about providing the lamb and a father and son and a beloved son, his only beloved son, there enacting Pesach, that Yahweh said, I'm going to take care of that. And he did, offering his son. It's all there. These Mizmor are explicit in explaining that Dode volunteered to do this, even explaining why. He decided that it was appropriate for him to fulfill Pesach and Matzah and why Yahweh approved what his son had volunteered to do. And yet, the religious have done everything they can to deny it. There was a first, a second, and there will be a third coming of Dode. The Son of God and His Messiah. You know, they, there's no one that can read the uh, the prophets and not recognize that God said explicitly that He's bringing Dode back. The prophecy that's been the most important to me is and comes from uh, Samuel, Second Samuel, uh, seven eleven, and it's explicit. Dode is not only the Son of God but that Yahweh is bringing him back to be king. But it's throughout the Torah, Prophets, and Psalms that God says. Matter of fact, the first prophecy on, on Dode is the most, perhaps the most magnificent prophecy ever written. Uh, Moshe, in the 18th chapter, speaks of the one who will be like him from among your people. And what explicitly he will Chief. There's only one person that this can be speaking of, and it is Dode. All right. of human history. Only one. It's Dode. And it builds from there. 
this tells us that Yahweh can and will bring the souls of those who have been part of his covenant and are important to his plans back for the millennial kingdom, beginning the 10th anniversary of what happened in Israel on October 7th, 2033. So on October 7th and 2033 is when all of the covenant members throughout history will be brought back with Dode as our king. Since we all know that God is committed to doing that, what's the difference in terms of bringing him back twice versus three times? Why do you think he was anointed three times? Yeah. Dode is the one who returned to fulfill Pesach, Matzah, Bakodim, and Shabuah on behalf of his people in year 4000 Yah, 33 CE. He is the real person that the caricature of Jesus was modeled after. In Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, there have they have misconstrued Dode's first life, misappropriated the next two. And to do so, they must deny what Dode wrote in these Mismore, all of them really, particularly the 22nd through the 31st, and then what was written in the 88th and 89th, as well as everything Yahshua, Isaiah, and the other prophets had to say about him. We are uh, still recording, although uh, we're no longer broadcasting, although everyone listening on the phone is able to uh, still hear what we have to say. So we'll, we'll go on for another few minutes um, this evening. The truth about this is obvious. It is the religious mindset that has precluded understanding. That's why I shared with you all I had to lose to finally be free enough to see the truth. Mm. And in reality, I lost nothing and gained everything. And that same opportunity is available to you, to everyone. The Torah proclaims that the Shabbat celebration of Sukkah, following God's return, this 10-year anniversary of what happened so tragically in Israel on October 7th, 2023. I think it uh, is the demarcation of the beginning of the time of Jacob's troubles. Nothing will ever be the same. The time of Jacob's troubles began on October 7th, 2023. It will conclude exactly 10 years to the day celebration of Sukkah. Well, God's going to return with Dode on Kippurim. There's a lot of business to take care of in those five days. So we are discovering that the world is will be united and stay united against the man Yahweh chose to save and guide his people. The man who explained how to properly observe the Torah in the 119th Mizmor and then lived it. The man who wrote the psalm that made it possible for me to 
bring these programs to you, for me to write goddamn religion, for me to share the truth about the Torah and the prophets, the 91st Mizmor. More than any other, it is Dode's name and words which are on the nesh, this sign and banner which Yahweh is lifting up to call his people home. Dode knows that man seeks to control while God seeks to free humankind from religious and political control. He understands that we must be free of human domination before we can participate in the covenant. It's what happened with Abram. It's what happened with Moshe. It is what must happen to all of us if we're to be part of God's family. So at this time, Dod, Yahweh's Masayach, is asking his people to break our allegiance to all forms of governmental and religious control. The question is, will you join us? It reads, let us choose of our own volition to break and pull off. Nathak, to snap off and tear away. Being set free and purged, separated by busting free. Peel perfect cohortative. Their bonds which trap and ensnare. Mosherah, him. That which binds and immobilizes their spinnerets and tethers, their fetters, shackles and chains, and thus religious and political restraints, man's yokes which control and tame, and desire to cast off and throw away from us their twisted and interwoven threads which bind and immobilize. So let us choose of our own volition to break and pull off their bonds which trap and ensnare, and desire to be cast off and thrown away from us. They're twisted and interwoven threads which bind and immobilize. This intertwined web of sticky and silky spinnerets which fasten and tie. Now, to my knowledge, this has never occurred in all of human history. No. Dode is speaking prophetically of our present day, hoping that Yisrael will listen to him and remove the twisted, interwoven, and entangled threads which bind them to human institutions, and mm-hmm. in his case, particularly, Israeli politics and Judaism. Yeah. It is only once this is done that any of us, including Yisrael, can return to Yahweh. As an interesting insight, uh, just as there are religious, political, militaristic, economic, societal, and conspiratorial schemes, uh, most spiders have six spinnerets, which they can manipulate independently or in concert with one another. These spinnerets are not simple structures with a single orifice producing a single thread, but instead highly complex structures of microscopic spigots capable of twisting, 
together and combining these nearly invisible filaments. And without doing so, the independent silk threads would be weak and useless. In life, God has given us a metaphor through which to understand the interwoven web of human babble. Pretty great. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's cool, everything God said. The, it is cool. The more you know, the deeper you deep, the digger, the deeper you dig. I think I said that wrong the first time. The <laughs> deeper one digs, the more one explores, the more you learn, the more you come to understand. You know, as an example, spiders extrude silk from their spinnerets. To do more than just build webs to de- design to ensnare other unsuspecting insects, imprisoning those they trap. They construct silken galleries for their own protection, using their spinnerets to distribute their sperm and then expand their brood. They even weave cocoons for their metamorphosis. If you're listening to this and have not done so, and if you are still political or religious, pull off everything that binds you to man's control mechanism and throw it all away. From the proper perspective, in the light, you can actually see these spinnerets, these sticky filaments that have precluded you from being free and knowing Yahweh. Now that you can see them, stay away from them, especially that which is a both in Babylonian fashion to bind and control. That's a simple truth. And yet one which is in conflict with everything we have been indoctrinated to believe. To truly be free, we must be apolitical, neither voting nor submitting. To be saved, to benefit from all that we are learning, we must be anti-religious, neither believing nor participating. To be right with God, we must acknowledge what is wrong with man. There is no path to the covenant, no way to heaven, no means to salvation that is accessible through any religious or political scheme. It isn't until we free ourselves from their bonds that we are free to know and approach Yahweh. He will not allow us to drag that muck into his home. Leave it or stay outside. Yes. Was there any religion or politics or conspiracies in Eden? No, sir. There was a brief conspiracy. Yeah. That's when that Karub that we now know as Halal bin Shakar, Satan, climbed down off that wall, proud and full of himself, clever in his scheme, misappropriated, misconstrued Yahweh's testimony. And Chawa ate it all up, wanting to be just like God and misconstrued Yahweh's testimony as well. Fortunately for us, God demeaned that uh, Karub, who was really clever back in the day. That's really an enticing 
proposal that he made by changing so little in God's word to make it sound plausible. Yeah. But he negated the instruction. And look at the consequence and how humankind was degraded and separated from God. But when Yahweh said, you know, there could be a consequence for that. And the consequence is, I'm turning you into a damp snake. Grovel in the dirt. He lost all of his power. Yeah, he's got a toxic bite. He can paralyze with his venom. But you know, that snake is otherwise impotent. He's no longer clever. I will tell you that the Satan of the Quran is a dumb piece of crap. He has a wee little reptile brain. The Quran is pathetic. I mean, a three-year-old with a bad attitude could do better. So he has lost his mojo. You know, when he inspired Paul, well, you know, he was working with an entirely different caliber of individual. Paul was a conniving rabbi. And so Paul's ploy in the Christian New Testament is infinitely more credible than Allah's kill for me so that uh, I can torture them forever in hell. Uh, So... Satan's got no game, but, you know, 1,400 years ago with Islam, he, this reptile was ultimately sun-baked in the desert, and he's got no game. He, all he's got <laughs> is stupid now. I agree. So, you know, it's Grinded. not like we're fighting, you know. Sometimes you say, okay, so you're, you're taking on the devil. Isn't that, uh, you know, kind of a risky thing? One, one man against uh, Satan? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. He's an idiot. No power of any kind. It's child's play. But keep in mind, folks, that until you separate from things that Satan has inspired man to conceive, religions that promote him as God and politics that that inspire men to control others and to preclude them from knowing the truth, then you're not in a position to avail yourself of what um, Abram experienced on the way out of Babel, which is Yahweh inviting him to the government, or what Moshe experienced when at the, uh, the base of Mount Chorob tending sheep, because he had left all of the politics and religion and caste system of Mitzram behind. So we must, must be in that position. I'll read one more uh, uh, verse from this Mizmor, okay. and then we'll, we'll call it an evening. So recognizing that those Yahweh is laughing at are those who have conspired to oppose him and, and to ensnare his people, we read, he who inhabits uh, establishing his dwelling place in the heavens, holds them in contempt, contempt, and he's going to pulverize them. Yahweh ridicules their foreign behavior and mocks their unfamiliar language. Ms. Moore, lyric to be sung, 
Psalm 2-4. For the most part, in the last 2,500 years, God's not paid much attention to what's happened on earth. There was no one to talk to, no one to communicate through, no one to accomplish anything worth with. Sure, he was here to do everything he could to support uh, Dode, but that was God, Father, and Son working together without anybody else even aware of what they were doing. But that's changing. He's paying attention now because there's only a decade left. He has promised to reconcile his relationship with his people on Yom Kippur, and he's going to do so. And that means he has to re-engage. He has to protect Israel from total destruction over these next 10 years. And when they're over, he will hold all of those who have come against his people in total contempt, and they will cease to exist. And for those who take exception to me calling Allah a piece of shit, that he's got the wee little brain of a reptile, that the Quran is the worst book ever written. Understand, it is it is Yahweh's preference to ridicule such things. Yep. And if you don't like it, you you won't much like uh, spending time with him. No. That's that is that is his style. I happen to uh, to like it. Uh, Not everybody is going to. Some people are going to be sensitive and say, you know, you shouldn't mock people that way. Well, I'm not trying to win friends and influence people. All I want to do is present the truth, and I want it available to Yisrael so that those who really want to know God, who are willing to walk away from religion and politics to be part of his family, have access to the truth so that they can capitalize upon it and be part of that wonderful family reunion. Ten years from now. Quite frankly, anyone who doesn't want to mock, you know, people who commit heinous crimes like rape and pedophilia, don't don't come around me. Don't come around. <laughs> I don't me. want to talk to you. Right. Yeah. Muhammad was a rapist and he was a pedophile. Mass murderer. He was a mass. You're he was a mocked. mass murderer. He was a terrorist. He was a thief and he was a liar. And people are still raping and plundering and mutilating and terrorizing Jews and others because of what this piece of crap had to say and what he did. Yep. And if you think that it's polite to respect such a man, then what I'm telling you is you have no compassion and no morality. Those who are moral and compassionate stand up against and they oppose that which inspires Terrorism, rape, pedophilia, and incest, and mutilation, and murder. Fortune, yeah. Yeah. That is certainly God's position. uh, Subject matter doesn't need to be conveyed, but I was, I hold a a, uh, considerable animosity towards uh, a particular individual that has done horrible things to uh, people that I care about. And the retort is always, you know, why don't you be the bigger man and and uh, forgive and forget? No. Why would I do that? I'm not going to forgive heinous behavior. I'm not going to forget what happened. No. If anything, I want to expose it, condemn it, remain judgmental and opposed to it. And to warn everybody else that will listen about it. 
Mm. You don't want to forgive a rapist. What a stupid thing to do. Yeah. Oh, I hear people, you know, messed up in religion saying, I know they murdered my son, but uh, but I have forgiven them. Why? Are you insane? Are you immoral? Uh, Yeah. No. You do these kind of things, and and I want to hold you accountable. I want you exposed. I want you condemned. I guess that's one of the reasons I got the job. (laughs) Probably. Of doing that. You know, I'm very judgmental. Wrong is wrong. You know? Uh, and and you have to understand what kind of things have to be opposed. Right. You know, I don't care what you do that harms yourself. Somebody wants to do drugs that harm themselves, don't care. Certainly not going to, to spend any time dealing with them. Uh, right. You know, they, they want to um, waste their lives. That's up to them. You know, the kinds of things that matter are the abuse of God's people. Right. The corruption of his message. Those things matter. Yes. And you have to be opposed to those things. And then the kinds of things that that um, not only prey on the innocent, like uh, rape and, and pedophilia, they uh, go against people who cannot defend themselves. But while an individual act is so common today that, you know, it's pretty hard to, to do anything that will uh, thwart an individual act amongst the millions of people that, that uh, abuse others in, in these manners. If there is a political doctrine or a cultural teaching or a societal edict, or worst of all, a religion that encourages and justifies and condones such behavior in the case of Islam, then the only moral choice is to be steadfast and devoutly and unequivocal, boldly against it. So that's where we stand. Well, this program, I'm just in moments, is going to say uh, thank you for using Blog Talk Radio. Good night. So we might beat them to it by saying good night. It's been uh, wonderful being with you this evening. Thank you, uh, Kirk and uh, and Dee. We'll return to uh, to this uh, spot uh, next week. I uh, thank you for uh, for uh, uh, participating in and airing the program that we recorded. Uh, over a week ago, while uh, we were otherwise occupied um, this time last week, I think, Dee, you learned a lot about uh, how to make it be more I seamless did. with the uh, with the form that form Next that we have to work with. Do it. Yeah. Yes. Yep. So we'll uh, we'll now have more flexibility in the uh, in the future. And for those who didn't listen to it, it was a uh, a program devoted to uh, to awakening Israel. Uh, to the threat uh, that is against them and calling Israel home because the only salvation for God's people is Yahweh and returning to him. Well, may Yah bless you all. A wonderful Shabbat to one and all. We look forward to being with you this time next week. May Yahweh bless you all. Good night. And you. Night.
Same to you guys. Good night. Night, Kurt. Night, Kurt. Night, night.